So we're continuing to walk through our series of values here at the river. Um, We've gone through, uh, like I've said before, a number of months and even years of working out how God has called us specifically as a community to serve him. And uh, several weeks ago, talked at length about our mission and our vision. And now going through each of our five values, we've spent some time thinking about what it means to welcome people into our lives. We've thought about what it means to grow as God moves in us and uh, as, as we continue to mature in the faith and work out our faith with fear and trembling, our salvation with fear and trembling. And then last week, we talked about what it meant to give sacrificially as, um, the, as God calls us to give. And this morning, we want to think about what it means to go and what it means for us as disciples in obedience to Christ's calling on our lives to go where it is that he wants us to. And we go with courage. And especially as we spend some time in the passage that we're in this morning, Matthew chapter 10, you're going to see it's a very challenging passage. There's some, there's some hard Hard things for us as believers to hear, and we certainly hope and pray that God um, challenges us and equips us with what we need as we are equipped to courageously go. This praying for me this morning is uh, Molly Smith, and um, I know Molly is really excited that I that I asked her to pray. But um, it's always interesting when I ask people to pray for me because I on purpose do it just before the service because I want people to sleep on Saturday night before they come here. And if Molly knew that she was praying for me. She might not have slept, um, but I, I'm, to me, this, this young woman standing up here being willing to pray for me in front of a whole bunch of people, that's courage, and, and I so appreciate you being willing to be used by God. Molly, would you lead us in prayer? Please bow your heads. Dear Lord, I pray as Pastor Scott speaks to us this morning that we will soak up these words and grow and thrive in our walk with God. And I pray for an amazing time this week as we remember what God has done for us throughout this week. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Molly. So I've been a part of this community now for a number of years. And in, during that time being in this community, um, it's interesting because people come and go right? Uh, when, you, when you live in a place like California, especially tr- California being a relatively transient world that we live in, people are moving around often, and, and sometimes people move here for a season, and then they move away and move into a different area of the country for whatever reason. Maybe they just can't handle the traffic, or maybe they want to go someplace where there's different taxes or whatever. I mean, there's lots of different reasons why people move around. But I was thinking this week about people that over my years, even in my short time here at the river, people who've come and been a part of this community and have left, but not left because they didn't like the politics of Southern California, or they didn't like the, the traffic or, or whatever. They left in order to fulfill something that was a calling on their lives, that God was calling them to go. And I, I just quickly jotted down some names, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure that I missed some, but I can certainly share a couple names 
games with you and hopefully bring back some fond memories of people who have been a part of this community. And, and God is used now in other spots to do things uh, for his glory and to see his kingdom grow. Faith and James Oates and their 17 children, uh, they went to New Mexico, right? They went to New Mexico in order to work at a camp now, and uh, a camp, and uh, eventually now they've moved, it's the Northwest. Is it Washington? They're in Washington, also continuing to do camp ministry, and I remember sitting with James in my office and him saying, I don't know what to head for my family, but I know that God is calling me to leave here and go somewhere else in order to serve him, courageously going. The second family that I want to think of just for a moment is um, Matt and Lisa DeBoer. Remember those, those folks, young couple in this church with, with uh, a bunch of very energetic kids and, and they, they were here for a season while Matt was a teacher and Lisa was working over at Redlands Christian, but then they moved to Denver. And they moved to Denver because God was calling them and God was calling specifically Matt to go be there for his grandpa and to serve his grandpa as his grandpa was approaching the end of life. What's really interesting, and there's some sadness there certainly for the family, but there's also giving God glory. Matt didn't know that he was also there to serve his brother who died of cancer, what was it, two, three weeks ago. Uh, a, 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 from a wonderful family. He was involved in that in a completely different way because God called him to go and he went where God called him to go. Um, the Wachinskis. The Wachinskis were called to go and serve in another community in education. They decided to brave the, the wilds of Visalia, a place I know really well, and it's encouraging to us. I regularly go up there and see Greg and uh, the family, and they're doing, they're doing very well. I'm actually in a fantasy football with, uh, league with Greg, and encouragement to me, I beat him soundly last week, so I feel great warmth for Greg Wachinski even today. Um, but he's called to go and serve God in that community. He continues to do so. I think of um, Tim and Courtney Banks. I mean, you want to talk about going somewhere courageously. They're in Ireland as missionaries. And how we see them serving out that calling. What a great thing that they were able to literally pick up everything and go to another continent. Um, now, thankfully, they know, uh, you know, it's still English. But if you know Ireland at all, it's not the same English. So they've had some do some learning on culture. And since then, had, had, uh, uh, had, there's a kid in the world and... Mom and dad of Tim and Courtney, they certainly want to spend as much time as they can in Ireland to go see that. But what courage to go where God calls you to go. I think of Joel and Katie Verhoof. They went to Pella. Now, if that doesn't take courage, God bless them. Pella, Iowa, in order to go again obediently to where God call, calling. And in that, God has done some interesting things. Katie teaches at Pella Christian. Joel is now involved with Habitat for Humanity, raising funds and developing more of the ministry of Habitat for Humanity in the central Iowa area. What a great fulfilling of God's calling. I think of Katie Langley. Katie Langley left this community in order to pursue a call in the Bay Area of California, lives just south of San Francisco, and now she's actually moving towards seminary, if I understand, right? And certainly Greg and Nancy are so proud of how God is using this young woman who is courageously willing to go where God called her to go. Certainly a couple weeks ago, we said goodbye to Sam and Alicia Giffen heading up to Portland, and they're going to be in Oregon there doing ministry with a YMCA camp for the purpose of bringing 
the faith of Jesus Christ into YMCA. And YMCA is a Christian organization, but it's also secular in a lot of contexts. And they're living that faithfully out in the Oregon area. And then finally, I think Chris and Heather DeWitt. Chris and Heather were also here, and, and uh, eventually God had called them to camp ministry. And what's interesting is now they, in essence, took the place of the Oats over at Glorietta in New Mexico. God called them, and I think they have like 18 children. I think it's more than the Oats, isn't it? I, I got so many kids. But God called them to go there and, and to live into what it meant to go. And in each of those cases, each of those eight names, and I'm sure there's more if we thought long enough, you have to have courage. You have to leave something familiar. You have to leave something safe. You have to leave something that maybe is a little bit more guaranteed, a little bit more sure. You know the lay of the land. Certainly all of these families, all these people knew what it was like around here and, and could flourish within that perhaps. But God was calling them to go somewhere. And because God was calling them to go, they went. But it's not easy. And I've talked with some of these folks, even in their times away, and there have been challenges. And in fact, that's actually promised. When we go where God calls us to go, there's going to be challenges. We're going to discover more about that in Matthew chapter 10. I encourage you to turn in your Bibles there. They're going to read the whole chapter. There's a lot there. So I'm going to be spending a lot of time, you know, reading the text. And there's a couple things that I would like to bring to light with you. Beginning at verse 1, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him. And gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Now, we look at that command of Jesus to his 12 to go into the towns and the lands surrounding them, and um, we see some interesting things almost right away in the text, and that is that we, we see that Jesus does not call them to go to radically unfamiliar places. He calls them not to go to the towns of the Gentiles. He calls them not to go to the towns of the Samaritans. Now, in this part of the world, certainly there were geographical distinctions. If you think about Galilee as a province, it's a very small province, like literally less than 200 square miles. In that province, there was really just an influence of Gentile or Samaritan culture, but not really a lot of towns, not places where a lot of them lived, but they were very close to others. In the Decapolis, which is just down the coast from the Sea of Galilee, you have a whole group of people who would be considered Gentiles. You would have a whole group of people to the north who would be considered Gentiles. They were surrounded, if you think about where Galilee is, if you head to the northwest, that's Samaritan country. They were not told to go to those places, yet they were starting, they were called by God to go to places that were familiar. And there's a reason 
for that. Jesus did not want to call his disciples to a place where their faith had to be so big yet that they could still use some of the language. Think of some of the things that they had been a part of for their entire lives as good Jewish men. They could go and have those conversations with Jews who would share the same language and share the same culture. He was not calling them to a place where their faith would have been tested even beyond their means because he wanted their faith to grow. But their faith was going to grow only if they were willing to do what it is that he asked them to do and go to those places and go with courage. But even though it was familiar, the commission was still radical. Look what the instructions say. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. So if I tell you to go, friends, and if by some means... Jesus were to give that authority to you, how many of you would go out of this place feeling like you could go heal the sick, cleanse people of leprosy and cast out demons? Anyone? A couple of you? God be praised if you can. But the reality of it is, if this commission were given to us as Western Christians in 2017, the reality of it is, I'm not sure we would have that courage, would we? But has Jesus changed? Is Jesus different now? Is something different that we couldn't go with that sort of courage? I'm I'm curious. Has something changed? And the reality of it is, is it really hasn't, right? Really, we live with the same Holy Spirit, right? We live with the same power of the presence of God in our lives. We live with him within us, and yet the thing that has changed is not the God who has called us and calls us to obedience. The things that has changed is us. Something very specifically, actually. Our faith. Let me tell you what I mean. Lord's Prayer has a specific uh, petition in there to ask for God's provision. It goes something like this. It goes, give us this day our daily bread, right? It's a request of God. That's a faith statement. It means I don't have bread. Lord, give me that bread that I don't have. How many of you don't have bread? How many of you couldn't have access to bread if you needed it within 15 minutes? All of us do. See, the thing that's changed The things that change is not the God that we believe in. It's our need in our present world and in our culture for faith. So when we're thinking about going with courage, the faith that God has, has, has given to us, for us to think about, how do I grow that faith, Lord, so that if you call me to do it, that I can go out of this place and cast out demons, that I can heal the sick, that I can cleanse people from those can, can cleanse, cleanse people from leprosy. And some of you are sitting there thinking that's crazy. That's crazy because we have a different medical system and we can, we can do different things and we can just encourage people to go to the doctor or we could get them with a psychotherapist or a psychologist or whatever to, to deal with whatever's going on in their head. Yes, that is all true, but guess what? Some of it also has to do with our lack of faith. 
And one of the things that I, as I name those names, that I give God praise for, is that these people were living in the depth of faith that called them to go somewhere with courage. And I'm called to do that too. And believe me, I'm not sitting up here in judgment on all of us because I know there's some of you who are exercising faith and going where God has called you to go in a lot of different ways. But I certainly think for us to be challenged and pushed and consider what it is that God called us to do, calls us to do when he calls us to go because his disciples didn't think it was gonna work either. His disciples didn't really understand what it is that they were doing. They saw Jesus do these things, but they weren't sure that they could. Praise be to God, their faith grew enough, and they saw the miracles of Christ manifest themselves in them. We have more learning to do. We're going to learn more about faith. Verse 9, do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. The home is deserving. Let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it would be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. So the disciples are walking into these unknown places. Yes, they're known in the sense they're Jewish, but they're unknown because they're not sure how people are going to respond to what it is that they're bringing. And Jesus calls them to faith. And we see that because he says, go into a town, but don't worry about your lodging. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about really anything. Don't even worry about getting arrested. If you get arrested, don't worry, because when you stand in front of your accusers, I'm going to actually be present with you so much that when you speak to them, you're not actually going to speak. I'm going to speak through you. When in essence, Jesus is promising these 12 disciples, and if you notice right at the beginning of the passage, he has given them authority. He has given the authority to these disciples to go out and live courageously, to go to places courageously, but he's also made a promise to them, if you go courageously in faith, guess what? I am with you. That's a promise of God. What do we say about God's promises? God always Keeps his promises. So for us to hear as followers of Jesus Christ that God has equipped you and God has given you authority through the presence of the Holy Spirit to go into whatever context it is that he calls you to go. He's given you power. He's given you authority. So when you go, you go with that power. You go with the Holy Spirit's presence. But even more than that, you go with Christ himself dwelling in you and equipping you for what is ahead. Now, I don't know about you. But when I really think about that, when I really grasp onto that, that's courage. That's courage that I don't have, but 
Christ himself gives me. And friends, see, we live in a world where we get scared and worried, right? We're worried and scared about what will happen if we go someplace. If you're a teacher in the public school, what will happen if you somehow or other get in a conversation with a student about Jesus? We're worried about what will happen if we go into our secular workplace and we share our faith. We're worried about going to our neighbors. And if we go to our neighbors and we talk to our neighbors about what it is that God has done to us, they will reject us. That's our fear. But what is it that God says to the disciples here and says does? He goes, guess what? When you're talking, don't worry about it. It's not you. It's me. Has anyone ever had that experience that they get in a moment, they don't know what they're going to say, and all of a sudden God shows up, Jesus shows up in their life? Let me give you one example. I'm going to change my illustration, Cindy, so don't put that thing up on the board. So I'm in, um, we're in Portland, Oregon. I'm in there with a youth group, group of youth group kids. And this group of youth group kids, there was one girl in particular. She was in 11th grade at the time. Her name was Caitlin. And Caitlin was, Caitlin was angry. She was angry at a lot of things. She was angry because she went to a Christian school that really didn't understand her. Caitlin had some thinking about a lot of different things that people in her school didn't agree with. And so when Caitlin was there, she oftentimes heard things from teachers or heard things from students that were frustrating to her. She felt very misunderstood in her school. She was angry about that. She was angry because she had a father who was very authoritarian and she was really frustrated by a father who continued to tell her exactly what it was that she should do and Caitlin really did not want to be put in a box. Do you have any children like that? Anybody got kids like that? I got more than a couple. Like, don't put me in a box. You let me discover what it is that you want to do. And so in 11th grade, I think she was 17 at the time, Caitlin is just angry at everything. And we're sitting at a picnic table. I can still picture this spot. It's in Portland, Oregon. We're on a service project. And the only reason Caitlin went on the service project, not because she had a strong faith, because she didn't. She actually was there because a couple of friends had gone that she knew she was going to have fun with. So we were there for a week. And during that week, we're sitting at this picnic table. There's no other kids around there, other out there doing stuff. And I'm just talking with Caitlin. And I know Caitlin pretty well, but I don't know her that well. And for some reason, we were talking about the future and what Caitlin wanted to do after college and what she wanted to do for college and all that other stuff. And for whatever reason, I said, you want to move to Seattle and you want to work in a coffee shop while you're going to school. And then you want to open up a, a, an alternative dress store using your business degree that you get from the University of Washington. I said those words. I have no idea why I said them. They weren't, they weren't something that I had ever talked to her about. They were nothing that she ever, you know, sort of expressed to me. And she looked at me with one of those weird eye, like psycho teenager eyes, which I've seen more than a couple times. She's looking at me and she's like, how did you know that? I said, I, don't, I, I didn't know that. How did you know that? That is exactly what I want to do. I just downloaded my application for the University of Washington the other day. I've already figured out that the Starbucks I work with in in Visalia, I can transfer to Washington. I can do that. How did you know that? You know how I know that? Because Jesus gave me words. That happens. 
It really does happen, friends. And it doesn't happen because I am a huge paramount of faith, because I'm not. In that moment, however, for whatever reason, because God wanted to be glorified in the life of Caitlin, he, he spoke through me in such a way that all of a sudden it was affirmed. This was a place that I was supposed to be, and when the words were to be spoken, that I could have the courage to speak them simply because Caitlin needed to hear them. It's one of those moments that challenged me to wonder about a God who calls me to go to spaces and have conversations with people sometimes that are challenging. And I have learned, and I praise God for this, that there are moments when God just says, shut up about what you're talking about. And listen to me. And when I call you to speak again, then you speak. But you're such a doofus, you're messing this up. Allow me to use you. When we do that with courage, God works. But we have to have the courage. And we have to grow that level of faith and understanding of what God has called us towards. And that oftentimes is the challenging place. That's the growing edge. What is our faith? Do we believe that God is who he says he is? Do we believe that God goes with us where he calls us to go? Do we? It's a question. I want an answer. Do we believe that God goes with us? Do we believe that God equips us? Do we believe that God has given us gifts and the ability in the context in which he's called us to go that he will use us for his glory? Do we believe that? Do we? Okay, then after service, I'm going to be out there with a list of places where you can go. You ready to sign? Maybe not tonight, maybe later this week. It's part of the challenge, isn't it? It's listening and saying, okay, Lord, here's the place and I'm going to go. Verse 21. Brother, this is where it gets really fun. This is where, you know, I'm really excited about going, you know, because of some of the things that the word says here. Brother will betray brother to death. And a father, his child, children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly, I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their master. If the head of the household has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? Now, just a little aside about that little area there. Jesus had been called demonic by the rest of the Jews. And so the fear that the disciples would have going into some of these communities is that they would now be considered demon-possessed, and all of a sudden they've been been given authority to do strange things like heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse those with leprosy. How do you think they would be received? Certainly with a lot of questions. So do not be afraid of them. For there is nothing concealed that, you will not, that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care, and even the very hairs of your head are numbered, so don't be afraid. 
You are worth more than many sparrows. Listen to that last verse 31, right at the beginning. So don't be afraid. How many of you, after listening to all the previous verses, might be a little bit afraid? Anyone else? I am. I told you already, I love my kids. Look at what it says about children. Look at what it says about the sort of persecution that we can come in contact with. And there, there are some of you who are saying, well, praise God, we don't have that experience in this country. Guess what? There are places where we do and context and does, which these sorts of things, maybe in a different form or fashion, happen. Certainly they happen in other parts of the world. Do you know that there are parts in the world today where Christians will die simply because they courageously have the faith to speak of the salvation of Jesus Christ? This is still true. And even if it's not true in our context right now, are we called to then sit back and say, well, no big deal. I don't have to worry about that. You know, I don't need to worry about proclaiming the gospel because we have Christian television and it does it. I got to be honest, when I watch Christian television, I don't want people to hear that gospel. We have Christian teachers on the internet who share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, we do, and so there's some very good ones, but there's also a lot of people out there peddling lies. And the reality of it is that we as Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, in this city, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, wherever it is, in your schools, in your classrooms, in your family sometimes, you and I are called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we have to show the courage to go into those places, and when the moment is called to speak, that we are willing to speak, and yes, there will be consequence, and some of it will be hard. There are very uncomfortable things ahead for followers of Jesus Christ who express faith. I think of Tim and Courtney Banks in Ireland. Yes, there has been huge blessings for them, but there's also been great challenges. There's been burdens that they've had to carry. I think certainly of Tim and the death of his father. He couldn't be there even for a couple days to be a comfort and encouragement to his family. Why? Because he was courageously fulfilling the call to go. Sometimes when we are willing to live out faith, it doesn't mean that everything is going to be great and awesome, but it does mean this. And hear me here because this is the most important of all things. It means, first of all, that our faith is growing. And second of all, it means that we are going with the power and the presence of Jesus Christ. And if we are living more deeply into the power and the presence of Jesus Christ, then we are fulfilling the call of God to love him more deeply with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. And the problem is... So often in our Western culture, when we hear these calls to faith, when we hear the calls to to courage, when we hear the call to go into a context and be a light and salt and life of the gospel, we say no. And unfortunately, what happens is our faith dies a little. We're called to grow so our faith can grow We're called to go so our faith can grow, but when we don't, our faith dies some. And since I know that God has called me to grow more faith, losing it is a great, great danger in my relationship with him. We're going to close the passage, verse 32.
Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Real quick, this is so important. You want to know, I have people all the time ask me, how do I know if I am saved? Have you ever heard that question? How do I, how do I assure the myself of salvation? How do I make sure that what is in my heart is real before God? Hear this verse again. Whoever acknowledges me, memorize it, underline it, put it in your brain. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. You want to know whether or not your name is proclaimed before the Father as one of God's children, then stand before the world and say, Jesus Christ is Lord of my life with your heart. Do it. Live it. Go into your workplace, go in your neighborhood, go even in your home, stand in your living room at the top of your lungs so that people can hear, say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and believe it when you say it. And what is the promise? He who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before the Father. That's a reminder of salvation. You want to know whether or not you're saved? If you can acknowledge Jesus, even in this place, stand up and say, he's my Lord. It's assured. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, against her mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you that person will not certainly lose their reward. Again, to courageously go doesn't sound like a very attractive thing in the world's terms, does it? It means that I live into loving God more than my wife and loving God more than I love my children. And I am willing to unabashedly say that and live that. And if you look at the culture that we live in, our culture is so often unwilling to say those sorts of things. We have an idolatry of children in our country, and let's be clear about that, and that idolatry has seeped into the life of the church so often. People love their kids more than they love God. People love what it is that their kids are doing, and they will follow them wherever it is that they are supposed to go, but they won't equip their kids by being a part of groups and opportunities to serve him. Why? Because we want our kid to have those sorts of experiences. And believe me, we feel that pressure in our home all the time. There are things that we are called to give up in order to go courageously where God calls us to. Some of us can't go simply because our calendars are too full. We have too much going on. 
And if we perhaps said no to some things. Jesus is calling his disciples here to deeply into, to live into the greatest commandment. To love me more than anything. And he calls us to. And perhaps to you this morning, this morning's message is a, a message of guilt. Maybe I'm making you feel guilty and, and I certainly don't intend that. But what I do want us to know is, and be reminded of, is that God, God has given us everything, amen? In Jesus Christ, you have everything, amen? And through the salvation of Jesus Christ that, he, that, that you have been given, he now has given you authority, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Yes, you need to grow your faith because so often our faith is stunted by the world that we live in. We have to be thoughtful and active in growing our faith. But now he calls you and I, because at the end of the book of Matthew, turn to Matthew 28 if you want, he says right at the end, the command to the disciples of the Great Commission. And how does that command begin? Do you remember? What's the first word of the Great Commission? Go. It started then, it continues now. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go and share my love. Go and speak my name. Go and stand before the world and be willing to say, even at personal, at cost of personal comfort or benefit, even at the cost sometimes of a career, even at the cost sometimes of relationships, even at the cost sometimes of you not having a nice easy chair with a television to watch football on a Sunday afternoon. The cost of everything. That you and I be willing to do that because he did. He, he was called to go. The father said to the son, go. Empty yourself, Philippians chapter 2. Empty yourself of all the glory of who you are as my son. Go to earth, take on flesh. You want to hear more about this? We're going to be talking about this, that this week at Catechism on Wednesday night. Come, let's overflow the hallway and fill up the church. Great, because we're going to be talking about the, the work of Jesus and what he did so that you and I might have life. He was willing to do it for you. And now he simply calls you and I to go into the world and share what it is that we have been given. He simply says, I love you so much I died for you. Are you willing to live in to believing in me enough to go and share that love with others around you? Now, I don't know where your go is. I don't, I don't know where that is. I know where mine is sometimes. Sometimes I'm not sure. But what does it look like for you and I to be willing to courageously go someplace? Maybe it's as simple as courageously going to Mexico with MCCA or Hands of Mercy. They just had a trip, a group of people who went down, built a house in Mexico, and there's powerful stories coming out of that weekend where they shared the love of Jesus with a family down in Mexico and built a home for them. Maybe that's your go. Maybe your go right now is simply across the street or your neighbor next door, or your back fence. Maybe your go is in your family. Maybe it's reconciliation with someone in your family with whom there's hurt and there's pain and there's conflict, and you're gonna show the love of Jesus to them in such a way that God transforms that relationship. Maybe your go is in your workplace. 
And I know that there are some of you who pray constantly for your coworkers and pray that God might open up doors. And yet when that door is open sometimes and you know those moments when you say, I chickened out, I missed it. To courageously be willing to speak in the promise that when you speak, you don't have the words. Jesus is the one speaking through you. I don't know where your go is. But I know that you and I don't have an option. To go is something that every believer is called towards. I'm called to it in the same way that you are, in the same way your children are, in the same way the grandparents in this room are. All of us are called to go and make disciples. Go, share the love of Jesus. Go and speak the name of Jesus into a broken and dark world. And let's be honest here. We need people who are willing to courageously go now more than ever. Last week, 58 people died in Las Vegas, over 400 wounded. Do we think this country needs more of the love of Jesus? Yeah. Because here's the worst part. Happened less than a week ago. Less than one week ago was the shooting. And we've gotten so used to it that we're already beginning to move on. For us to go into the world that we live in, Share that love is not just one of those obedience things. I'll get to it if I can. It is a matter of life and death. And it's even more than a physical life and death, and it's eternal life and death and the lives of people around us who don't know the love of Jesus and who may know that we do, and they're looking to us. Maybe they're ignoring us. Maybe they're trying, trying to put excuses in front of us, whatever it is, but for God loved me so much that he never gave up on me. And he never will. Perhaps God has equipped you and I to not give up on that other, that person next door, that aunt or uncle, that cousin, that grandson or daughter, that you won't give up on them. That you'll go and courageously speak the love of Jesus, caring for them more than you're willing to care for your own comfort. God might use that to change in eternity. To that end, let's pray. Father, courage is something that many of us don't have. We like safety. We like the known. We like things that we can anticipate, plan for, that we can budget and have figured out. But Lord, when we read this passage from Matthew 10, you called your disciples to go courageously with great risk of life and limb, certainly of comfort, certainly of their own capacity. You called them to step beyond who it was that they were and to step into who you were making them. And you do the same for us. You call us, Lord, to step into who you are making us. You are making us more than we are now. But that, that is something that more comes with faith, with trusting you, with acknowledging, Lord, that you are with us, that you have given us power, you have given us authority. And there are strange things that are even possible when believers of Jesus Christ live in power and authority. But if it's of you, then we give you glory and we want to do what it is that you call us to do. I pray, Lord, that you put pictures already right now in the minds of people 
that you put pictures of places, Lord, that you've called them to go. Maybe it's a a soccer team that they're a part of. Maybe it's a a social group. Maybe it's a, a group of friends from back in the old days. Maybe, Lord, it's, it's a workplace, a family. Maybe it's a neighbor down the street, wherever it is. And, Lord, you put those pictures, put those faces in front of the minds and the hearts of your people so that, Lord, we see those people. We put them before you. We lay a fleece and say, God, is this where you want me to go? And if you say yes, Lord, that we are willing to have the courage, we are willing to take a step, a deep step of faith to say, we believe you are who you say you are. We trust that you are a God who is greater than he is in the world. And we don't want to risk our faith. We don't want to risk our faith any more than this world has already put it at risk. We want it to grow. We want to experience more of you. And we're willing to courageously say, Lord, I'm your servant. Call me to go, I'm going. Go with me, Lord. Use me, Lord. Glorify yourself in me, Lord. And let me see you at work through me so my faith can grow even more than it already has. Lord, you and you alone are the one who can do this. We pray you do it today. In Jesus' name, amen.